0: It's Tuesday, the 6th of July, 2021. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Sean Elmer. Sydney Airport receives a $22 billion unsolicited bid on a big day for corporate activity in the share market. Also coming up in today's podcast, New South Wales teeters on the edge with 35 new local COVID cases yesterday. Tabcorp rejects takeover bids and decides to split in two. And what have Andrew Forrest, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson been doing together? Then, stay listening for my chat to media guru Tim Burrows, who's just written a book about the Australian media industry. But first, here's a brief look at markets. Wall Street was closed overnight due to the Independence Day holiday. European markets were stronger with London's FTSE up 0.6% and the stocks Europe 600 0.3% higher. The S&P ASX 200 rose 0.1% to 7,315 points yesterday. It would have fallen but for the Sydney airport bid, which I'll tell you about shortly. The announcement helped infrastructure stocks across the board, with toll road group Transurban up 1.5%. Qantas jumped 2.7%. Energy stocks did well after OPEC failed to reach agreement on production quotas. Woodside Petroleum was up nearly 3% and Santos was 2% higher. Gold miners rose alongside a higher price of the precious metal, with Newcrest mining up 1.2%. Brent crude oil prices rose above 77 US dollars a barrel overnight for the first time since 2018, after OPEC+, Plus, a group of the largest oil producers, failed to reach agreement on lifting output. Production will remain at current levels during August, a time of strong demand because of the northern hemisphere driving season. Gold prices continued to rise overnight, Heading slowly back towards $1,800 an ounce, the Aussie dollar is trading at 75.3 US cents and Bitcoin fell 6% overnight and is now trading around $33,700 a unit. A consortium of infrastructure investors yesterday made a $22 billion bid for Sydney Airport, sending its share price up 34%. But the board of Sydney Airport, one of the few remaining listed airports around the world, told investors to take no action, given the pandemic had disrupted normal trading. The bid of $8.25 a share is more than 40% higher than the group's closing price last Friday, but still below the airport's pre-pandemic trading price of close to $9 a share. It closed yesterday at $7.78 a share. The consortium includes IFM Investors, which is owned by 26 local superannuation funds, QSuper, which stands for Queensland Superannuation, and the US's Global Infrastructure Management. All have stakes in the airport already. Media reports say that Unisuper, the airport's biggest shareholder with a 15% stake, saw merit in the proposal, which throws a cat amongst the pigeons. If the unsolicited conditional bid was successful, the company, which is the 21st largest stock on the ASX, would leave the bores. Airports are attractive infrastructure assets in low interest rate environments because they provide stable returns. In Sydney's case, Australia's geography and long-term growth and population rates means more people will need to fly around the country. There's no doubt the bid is opportunistic. If we hadn't had COVID, in all likelihood Sydney Airport's share price would be well above the bid price. But we did. The offer is a significant premium to Friday's share price, and there's a lot of work that needs to get done before the airport returns to normal activity. The bid also demonstrates the power of the big fund managers, particularly superannuation funds. With 10% of our wages going into super funds, they have a steady flow of money and are looking to buy up undervalued assets. They have the patience and financial wherewithal to hold them and turn them around. It's not often a top 25 company gets a bid. Sydney Airport is in play. The next couple of months are going to be fascinating. In a moment, the rest of the news you need to know this morning. In overseas news, global food prices have hit nine-year highs, reflecting strong demand from China and weather concerns, as well as a lack of labour due to the COVID-19 virus restricting movement. But according to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, and the United Nations, prices will flatten in coming years as supplies of farming products rise and demand for grains and fish slows. The UN's Food and Agriculture Organization report said more people will replace red meat with poultry and dairy products over the next decade. Beijing is cracking down on tech platforms after ordering the removal of rideshare group Diddy from Chinese app stores yesterday, just days after the group's $67 billion listing on Wall Street. An online recruitment company and a truck hailing app have also been frozen, meaning current users can access the apps, but no new users can be added. Last year, authorities reigned in Ant Group and Alibaba. And Jeff Bezos ended his reign as boss of Amazon overnight. The 57-year-old, who is worth around $203 billion, US dollars, according to Bloomberg, will be replaced by head of Amazon Web Services, Andy Jassy. It will mark exactly 27 years since Mr. Bezos started the business. Later this week, he's heading into space, literally, in his self funded rocket ship. Locally, if you're not in New South Wales, COVID restrictions and border closures are steadily lifting. Tasmania has lifted restrictions on visitors from Western Australia and Northern Territory. WA will open its borders to Victorians. South Australia will allow dancing and singing and larger indoor gatherings. But in New South Wales, things aren't so good. There were 35 new local cases yesterday though pleasingly all but two were linked to existing cases and 28 of them had been isolating. Premier Gladys Berejiklian is due to make a call on lifting restrictions later in the week and she said today and tomorrow will be critical in determining what happens. Ms Berejiklian also joined the growing chorus of backbenchers and business leaders, wanting the timetable for the easing of restrictions to be dependent on how many vaccines are available rather than how many Australians are actually vaccinated. She said the country needed a timetable from the federal government. Tabcorp has decided to demerge its lotteries and keynote business, rejecting takeover offers for its wagering and gaming enterprises. Chair Stephen Gregg said the lotteries and Kino business would provide investors with infrastructure-like qualities. He said the wagering and gaming operation had national scale and reach. That business is currently the subject of bids, from global giant Entain, private equity group Apollo Global Management, and local operation Betmakers. Mr. Gregg said an internal review had found a demerger was the best option, saying there wasn't enough certainty around the different bids. The decision to hive off the lotteries and Kino business comes after pressure from large shareholders to do so. Tabs Corp's share price fell 4.4% yesterday, but I don't think this dance is over just yet. There was plenty of economic news yesterday. The number of job advertisements rose for the 13th consecutive month during June and are consistent with an unemployment rate of around 5%, according to ANZ. The unemployment rate is currently 5.1%. There were more than 210,000 job ads over the month, up 40% from early 2020 levels. And the labour market undoubtedly is doing well. Retail sales in Australia rose 0.4% during June, and was 7.7% higher than a year ago after being upwardly revised by the Australian Bureau of Statistics the monthly result was affected by the lockdown in Victoria food retailing led the way while sales of household goods went backwards again department stores lost ground meanwhile the number of dwelling approvals fell 7.1% in May following a near 6% drop in April the numbers came off record highs thanks to the home builder subsidy which ended in March which brought forward approvals Overall, the strong jobs market, low interest rates, high levels of consumer confidence and build-up of savings augurs well for both retail sales and dwelling approvals going forward. We'll find out more about what the Reserve Bank thinks about the economy later today, following the meeting of the Central Bank's Board. The biggest superannuation fund in the country, Australian Super, has delivered a record 20% return to members the past 12 months and wants to take on more risky assets. The $200 billion fund has about one-third of its money in international equities, 25% in local stocks, and the remaining 43% across infrastructure, fixed income, property, and private equity. Its chief investment officer, Mark Delaney, was reported as saying the next 12 to 18 months was not the time to preserve capital. That's the opposite to the last 18 months when the pandemic hit. All in all, a great outcome for Aussie super members. It was a tough day for gaming giant Crown Resorts. It said it expected a statutory loss for the 2021 financial year as a result of lockdowns in the pandemic. and 2022, profit would also be hit, though it didn't provide guidance. Crown and rival, the star, are currently considering a merger. It all came as Royal Commissions into the group in Western Australia and Victoria continued. In Victoria, Chief Executive of the Melbourne Casino, Xavier Walsh, rejected suggestions that a minimal paper trail around his investigation of a potential $200 million tax fraud was designed to reduce the chance of information coming out, but he conceded he only investigated the underpayment in February this year, two days after the commission was announced, despite having known about it since mid-2018. Andrew Forrest is hanging out with Rich Boys. Mr. Forrest has put 50 million US dollars into a Bill Gates-led venture capital fund, which focuses on emerging greenhouse gas-reducing technologies. Others in the fund include Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Virgin founder Richard Branson, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, and Saudi Arabia's Prince Al-Waleed bin Talal. Infant formula maker A2 Milk said so the New Zealand government has approved its acquisition of a 75% interest in dairy Mataura Valley milk. The group's share price was down 67% over the past year, it's a shocker, as a result of it losing its Daegu sales channel. But the purchase of the dairy should help it push back into China. Its share price jumped more than 3% yesterday. TransGrid will build a 300-megawatt battery in Western Melbourne to provide power to the city. It will be the first mega-battery built without government funding and demonstrates that green energy is starting to become financially viable. The battery will cost up to $300 million. The Moorbank Logistics Park in Sydney, owned by Cube, has sold for $1.67 billion to a consortium including Australian Super and T-Corp, among others. It's yet another example of a massive superannuation fund investing directly into a billion-dollar asset. Meanwhile, Cube said it would write down up to $215 million on a loss-making import-export rail terminal at its Moorbank freight hub. Its share price fell 0.6% yesterday. I mentioned yesterday morning the potential fraud involving Forum Finance. The founder of the business, Bill Pappas, is at the centre of a $200 million fraud allegation by Westpac and Societe Generale. But Mr Pappas, well-known in Sydney football circles, hasn't been seen since the middle of last month. The potential fraud involved equipment leases with Westpac customers that were arranged by Forum. Federal court proceedings have been filed against Forum. And finally, Australia will send 472 athletes to the delayed Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. They kick off in under three weeks and it will be the third largest contingent of athletes and officials ever, behind Sydney in 2000 and Athens in 2004. Good luck to them all. Up next is our daily interview, and this morning my guest is Tim Burrows. Tim yesterday announced he's leaving media news website Mumbrella, which he founded more than a decade ago, but he's also got a book coming out tomorrow called Media Unmade, and it's a fascinating look at the last decade in the Australian media. There's been a lot of change, a lot of new players, and some big personalities, and it all features in his book. It's a terrific chat up next in the Fear and Greed playlist or at fearandgreed.com.au. I'll be back later with the afternoon market report, with a look at everything that happens today on the markets, and of course, the Reserve Bank's July meeting too. In the meantime, don't forget to follow Fear and Greed on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Twitter. It's Tuesday, the 6th of July, 2021. I'm Sean Elmer, and that was Fear and Greed. Enjoy your day.